Riding along on a carousel Trying to catch up to you Riding along on a carousel Hello and welcome to the Carousel Tapes. Today we are fortunate enough to be speaking to Kim Thompson, illustrator. Thank you for joining us. How are you, Kim? Oh, my pleasure. I'm good, thank you. What have you been up to today? Yeah, it's been quite a hectic day already considering how early it is. Um, I started out with a little bit of exercise to get myself in the right frame of mind for the day, which is very out of character, but I do find it helps sometimes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I came in here, petted some of the studio dogs, sent a few things off to uh, clients that I'm working with at the moment. I've got a lot of deadlines today, so that's a bit of a wait off and I'm just waiting around to find out what happens. And yeah, now I'm here with you. So tell me a little bit about, I mean, what clients have you been working with? What do you do, Kim? Um, so I'm a freelance illustrator, but I also do my own artwork and sell that in, as prints in my shop online. So the freelance stuff, it's kind of a bit of everything um, from sort of editorial to brand campaigns to, you know, kids books to record sleeve design all over the place. Um, and then, yeah, my prints are just kind of my personal work, which I just kind of am very inspired by pop culture and kitsch and retro themes. Okay. but. Yeah, it's kind of a balance of both of those things that I tend to spend most of my time on. How long have you been drawing for? <laughs> oh gosh, well I've been drawing literally since I was maybe about two. I think because my dad's a phenomenal artist as well, he's a really good painter, but I think his career was sort of stifled due to not being supported uh, by family or whatever. Um, and I kind of had the opposite experience with my parents where they were very sort of supportive of what I did and you know, I always had the tools and was encouraged. Um, so yeah, it started... The creative side started at quite a young age, but I'd say the turning point for me was I went to... So I grew up in Nottingham and I studied in Manchester, illustration with animation, and following that, just kind of not knowing how to turn that into a career, I spent, you know, a few years just sort of in despair being, you know, just kind of going from job to job and trying different things out, but always working in my own time. And I think eventually, because I was just constantly making sure that I had some sort of online presence or that I was contacting people and asking if they'd take a look at my work. I, my first proper big job with a client was probably a campaign that I did for Jigsaw Menswear. Okay. So wow. yeah, it was a campaign where I kind of illustrated some pieces to go in like one of their main windows and ended up doing, having a bit of a kind of career with them at the start, which then I think probably gave me the confidence yeah. and a bit more of an understanding about how these things work and how you end up getting these job opportunities and you know the sort of turnaround time and things like that. Um, and so going back to that, when you were first getting your first commissions, was it from doing your own work that you got them? Yeah, I think it was a combination. I think I've always been, I mean, when I was at uni, this was so long ago. I mean, I graduated in 2007 and you didn't have things like um, social media platforms that you do today, which are amazing for um, self-promotion. Yep. It doesn't cost that much. So it was very sort of portfolio focused and physically kind of tracking people down, art directors, dropping them an email, calling them sometimes. Um, so yeah, that was, I think, just trying to figure that out whilst kind of making sure that I did a lot of my own work and stayed in that mindset, even when I was sort of temping or doing admin roles, I'd always yeah. on the side be drawing and trying to post that to my website or something, just so I stayed a bit in the game, if you know what I mean. Is there a, an, another type of enjoyment you get from doing it? Um, yeah, I'd say aside from really enjoying the challenge of trying to communicate a message visually, I've always loved visual storytelling. Like I still absolutely love, you know, I buy kids books and things. I'm a massive graphic novels fan. I love that art form. So that's always going to be something that I'll enjoy. 
But I also kind of think as a medium, as a format, illustration is a really good medium for communicating and, you know, highlighting certain important causes and, you know, it transcends language in a way, visual. So that's always been an interesting side of it to me and I feel like it's how I express myself effectively. Tell us about, we were, just before lockdown, I remember talking to you about a commission you had with Dayglow, was there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I just think picking on this specific project because it was really exciting. It sounded really interesting, but it kind of went in a different path because of lockdown. Yeah, perhaps. it was. Yeah, that's an interesting example of how things kind of have to adapt, you know, in the art world. Because that whole project, essentially, Dayglow are the paint company who produce very sort of bright neon um, paint colours. And I was sent. I was invited to take part in an exhibition that they do every year, where they ask a group of artists to create a piece using their paints. So I had all these kind of like amazing neon colours. And the end goal was to have this exhibition. Um, the theme was magic and have this exhibition in, oh, I've forgotten exactly where it was. It was somewhere like Denver, potentially, but wow. don't quote me on that. <laughs> like, yeah, so it was in America. So obviously, like, the point was that we were going to make this work and then send it over. I don't know if I was going to go, to be honest, but it would have been really cool, obviously, to have some work over in that exhibition. So yeah, I got the paint and these gorgeous, I think I, I told you about, or maybe showed you the colour palette and yeah, created this. Um, I did a time-lapse, actually, of this, the painting that I did with these colours. And yeah, pretty much shortly after I'd finished this painting, we were just in lockdown. So they had to make all these kind of like new plans to do an online exhibition. So which I think actually it's happened to me a couple of times with exhibitions that I was meant to be doing elsewhere, especially not in the UK, yeah. um, where it's ended up being this kind of like online community exhibition where a few people take charge of, you know, kind of um, just curating it. And it, it's kind of... I'm not, I wouldn't say it was necessarily even a bad thing, the way that happened in some instances, because you can obviously postpone the exhibition. But I wonder if perhaps moving forward that might be a good way to engage a wider audience who perhaps don't necessarily always feel comfortable or wouldn't go to a gallery space to enjoy art and feel like they're part of it. So, yeah, it kind of turned out interestingly nice. That's really nice. I think there's a lot of um, the kind of like digital sphere of, of, of how we put artwork out has progressed so much because of lockdown and that's really exciting and Definitely. ultimately I suppose if you can communicate to more people that's that's only a good thing yeah for sure I remember seeing um some of your work in one of our favorite pubs I think for everyone the King Billy <laughs> yes um describe a little bit about that show maybe could we talk a little bit about where you get your like iconography from where you get your visual palette so yeah, first of all, I love the King Billy and John, the owner, is super supportive of independent artists and he's always been very kind of, yeah, just pro, encouraging of using the space and just doing what you want with it. So the exhibition that I first did there was called, oh, I can't remember the name of it, <laughs> that's really bad, but it was basically, um, it was very much themed around... Um, just the kind of narrative of women historically, particularly in folklore and the way that they're painted as villains. So, sorry, it was called Of Lilith. So it was about this notion of women kind of being painted as like demons and, you know, kind of chaotic and problematic if they don't sort of fit a standard gender stereotype or if they don't sort of comply and, or present themselves in the way that society kind of expects them to. Um, and I think that particular exhibition I was really interested in um, women in mythology and a lot of the kind of women that I painted in the pictures were just inspired by you know just kind of folklore characters like um, sirens and types of witch or but you know not, kind of loosely based around any sort of existing um, iconography um, 
Yeah, I'm kind of inspired by 60s and 70s kitchen trash and stuff like that as well. So everything's got a bit of a retro edge, but ultimately I kind of like to root it in like modern, you know, this era as well. So it feels a bit fresh because I think there's themes within that subject that still kind of permeate modern culture. And my work is very much about, I'm very focused on women and empowering them and, you know, kind of just wanting to create a space in art for examples of women that aren't just you know they're not just kind of like the male gaze sex object they're kind of owning the space and like if they are presenting themselves as a type of beautiful it's for them and so a lot of the the characters that I paint tend to be fictional but they're based on an amalgam of different types of women that I see as the epitome of that and think of like a good example of what you can be if you choose to so um empowering I suppose you get your own sense of empowerment through doing that as well right yeah definitely I think even just being you know like not you know a standard in the I mean the art world I'm just gonna say is very sort of straight white male so I think even if you manage to create a space for yourself and you're not that not even just women then I think that in itself is empowering and then when people start to tap into that and they either recognize something of themselves and what you do or you make them feel empowered or they even just kind of feel better represented because you exist and you're doing something that side of it also makes me feel like I'm doing something really good and I'm excited by it and it keeps me going and then I suppose another um, social political issue that's kind of come out recently and I know you've been making work about so you made some prints with Craig Proud from Dizzy yes uh, about the Windrush yeah so I've been wanting to make this print for ages and it became this very sort of because my grandparents are the Windrush generation. My dad's my dad came over a bit later. I don't think when he came over on the Windrush, but sort of close to that time. And so, you know, when you're trying to create a piece of art and it's important and quite personal, it kind of becomes this, you know, a bit of a kind of sticking point because you don't want to, you want to honour the subject in a particular way. And I think in the wake of all the BLM um, protests and all of that news and just with us all being in lockdown that felt so intense and everybody was sort of very much suddenly more than ever aware of that as an issue but I think just looking closer to home the Windrush generation here their treatment has been just incredibly incredibly awful and so I'm quite um, because of my parents being very heavily involved with kind of charities that are very specific to BME communities and supporting them I wanted to do something that would benefit that specific community here so um yeah the windrush print was just it kind of ended up being something that after two years of trying to do it it ended up being quite quick in the end and just have this concept and then craig did an absolutely amazing job just helping me to realize that turned it all around really quickly and we raised yeah a significant amount of money for my chosen charity so i was really pleased with that with these this kind of uh the ripple effect of the george floyd a lot of people are going through it's really a great time for the art community to be questioning their role within all of this. Oh, definitely. I think that's another thing that I think we discussed before we started recording briefly. I think it's actually, it's, it's more increasingly kind of important and obvious to me that there is probably, I think all art is a bit political, even if you don't think it is, yeah. you know, like, and I can't imagine making it without having some sort of stance or something to say. And it doesn't have to be as kind of intense as the BLM movement. But I think it's amazing that you can kind of, the power that you have to, you know, put put across a message with your art is yeah. something that, you know, just is pretty magic about it. If you want to utilize that, then it's a good way of doing it and communicating and reaching a lot of people. Thinking about where we are 
at the minute in the social political context of like art galleries getting called out. What do you kind of see going forward and what would be your like ambitions? So I think um, gallery spaces, they serve a purpose, but I think they might just become more and more sort of redundant. And I don't mean that in terms of like the body of, you know, the kind of the the staff or, you know, just like the, the idea of a gallery. It's more just, you know, sort of white wall space and the way that they function. I think galleries are amazing and I like the kind of fact that we can house a lot of things in one space. But I do historically, with some of the work that I've done, I've done bits of work with Windrush communities in Nottingham and I think there is a community of people who perhaps don't always feel like it's for them. So yeah. there's something maybe daunting about those spaces to some people who are then sort of indirectly excluded from the experience of enjoying art. So I think if we can maybe, moving forward, broaden the idea of what a gallery space can be. Yeah. I mean, I think you do it brilliantly here with Carousel in terms of it doesn't necessarily always have to stick within a particular format or space. You know, a, a, a gallery can kind of effectively be anything anywhere so I think yeah the idea of and this online stuff I think is actually a great way of moving forward so yeah maybe just kind of widening thinking a bit more laterally about what galleries would be really cool yeah and just kind of being aware of inclusivity and representation and who is afforded space and who you know kind of maybe needs to be heard you know like of course everybody does to an extent but there are people who never get to be and you know maybe just giving them more of an opportunity and I think they you know that's how we get more interesting engaging art as well by just making sure that you're constantly aware of and keeping your eyes and ears open to maybe communities and groups who are more vulnerable or who don't necessarily get or feel part of an art space yeah oh fantastic it's very very inspiring speaking to you I think you're very (laughs) motivated and it's been amazing to see how your work has progressed and the work you've been doing recently this week has been fantastic as well oh, I've seen in the carousel so I hope the client comes back to you and it's all happy and yeah. you can enjoy the rest of your the rest of your Friday oh um, god yeah that would be lovely fingers crossed <laughs> I very much thank you for joining me today um thank you Kim thanks for having me nice one You have been listening to The Carousel Tapes, which is produced and directed by Benjamin Kay. This podcast has been supported by Real Creative Futures Digital, a free business support program for creatives, offering business coaching, training, networking and showcasing opportunities. RCFD is part of the Big House program, a tailored support program for the creative and digital industries sector in Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire partly funded through the European Regional Development Fund. The team is based at New Art Exchange, an award-winning and internationally renowned art gallery and performance space in Heysen Green, Nottingham. Thanks for tuning in and listen again next time.